Hey, slop dog! The Brainiacs are ready! Welcome, welcome, welcome into Leather Brains. Your host, Slap Dog, here for episode 157. I can't do this alone. I can never do this alone. And I am joined today by both Scotty Del Rey and Yeti for Wednesday's show. Gentlemen, happy Wednesday. How you doing? Hump day. Hump day, happy baby. Happy hump day. There's a little tension here in the Leather Brains room. There is. Well, you guys know why? I don't know why. Well, I was, I was going to say because Scotty needs to restart his computer. I did well, that. Don't yeah. even throw that shade at me, bro. <laughs> oh, my bad. See, there's the tension. Well, there it is. Scotty and I are uh, facing each other in our two leagues of record in the Dynasty oh. and the Redraft format this week. So It's a big week for you guys. Best of luck to you, Scotty. Hope your boys stay healthy and uh, can't wait to destroy you. Well, as I said on the last episode, you know I'm going to do everything in my power to ruin your season, but I'm really not very confident in either of those teams. So <laughs> I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope. Damn. Well, yeah, congratulations to both of you guys for making it to the playoffs in both our Dynasty and our League of Record League. That is wonderful. Scotty, congratulations on beating me in Dynasty this last week and knocking me out of playoff contention. I am very happy about that. Uh, my team has been ridden with injury, and it feels good to finally be able to throw in the towel <laughs> and uh, and be able to kind of look forward to next season. So thank you. I'm turning the Leather Brains team into a bloodbath one person at a time. So you're wow. next, Yeti. Yeti, watch out, dude. He's coming around the corner for you. He's coming hard. He's, oh, <laughs> is he ever? Always. Uh, today, we're going to be going over Monday Night Takeaways. So, obviously, the headlining news is the Seahawks beat the Eagles. So, we have a lot to unpack there and the implications involved with that. We're going to play some flex appeal, of course. It is uh, it is Wednesday, and some of you are still playing fantasy football. So, we're going to help you guys and uh, discuss some flex options and pit some players against each other. And then... We got brain busters. So if anybody has any questions, go over to our YouTube channel, Leather Brains FF. Submit your questions in the comments section. We will answer them at the end of the show. Lastly, before we get into the Monday night takeaways, I do want to let everybody know we are not going to be having an episode on Monday. We're taking a break, gentlemen. It is the holidays. It is Christmas. We're going to take a step back. We're not going to have a show on Monday. We will be back the following Wednesday. But it's Christmas, and we need to take a break, and we need to spend time with our families because that is important, so we will not be here on Monday's show. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this thing. Let's talk about the Monday night takeaways. Like I mentioned, the Seahawks have beaten the Eagles 20-17. to This game, I, I'm going to tell you how this game went for me, okay? We, we had talked about this game on Monday's show. At the very end of the show, we said, who's going to win? We said, we think that the Eagles are going to win, however... This could get interesting. I think a lot of people are, are writing the Seahawks off and what they are capable of doing. I think this game is going to be a little bit more interesting than a lot of people realize. And here we are, 20-17. to 17. Game was pretty fun, man. I mean, Drew Locke, for all intents and purposes, he, he came out and he did a good job. He uh, 142 left on the clock, completed 5 out of 10 for 92 yards. And that touchdown that JSN had actually... I was ecstatic. I was. It was uh, very late here in the, on the East Coast. It was about eleven thirty. I was in bed, had the phone streaming on my, and I'm I'm sitting there, huddled under the covers. And my fiance, uh, unfortunately, was woken up to me screaming with joy as JSN caught that touchdown pass, because that touchdown pass then put me into the next round of the playoffs. So I was very very happy about that. But um, Kenneth Walker also had a big game, and this is something that I, I really want to kind of hone on here for just a moment. 19 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. I don't think anybody had really expected this kind of game out of Kenneth Walker playing against the Eagles. So, did you guys, first and foremost, did you guys get the opportunity to watch this game? Yeah. So, I watched the first half of this game. Um, I wake up early, so I pass out in the second half. But when I woke up the next day, Tuesday, yesterday, I guess, um, I, I was pretty shocked, man, uh, especially to see. Drew Locke leads Seattle down the field with a minute 42 left to kind of outplay Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense. Um, you have to give a lot of credit to Pete Carroll and that offensive coaching staff for getting Drew Locke ready to play and coming up with a good game plan to knock off Philly. Do you think, Do you? Uh, and I'll let you go here in just a sec, Scotty, I apologize, but do you think that, that perhaps 
the old adage that we have discussed all season where there's not enough film on this guy. I mean, the Eagles' defense is still a top-tier elite defense. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. So Drew Locke, of all people, came in and, and, and won against him. Why is that? That's my question to you guys. And I think you're muted, Scotty. Gosh. Sorry, everyone. Is... I'm fucking everything up. Um, no, this is Drew Locke's best drive of his career. It was exciting to watch. Um, you know, ultimately, I think probably that plays a little bit into it, but the Eagles are just down bad right now. Uh, coming off a few tough games, it's they're a little bit demoralized. Their star quarterback was sick, not at 100%. It was just a tough situation playing, uh, you know, in Seattle is always a tough environment. So the stars just kind of aligned. You know, the good news for the Eagles, we're going to talk about them more in a second, but their end of season schedule is beautiful. I think by the time playoffs roll around, they're going to be back on track, ready to rock and roll. So I'm not too worried about them. But Drew Locke was super fun. And that last drive, it was a very exciting game. So all that uh, all that we can hope for. And Slaps, before uh, you let Scotty talk, you had mentioned that Philly's defense is good. But I, I, I asked the question, are they really good? Because if you look at their performances over the past few weeks, They've gone from having an elite rush defense to not being able to stop anybody on the ground. Um, before uh, they have, before they had lost three straight games, they were stout against the run. They were averaging less than sixty yards on the ground to running backs. The past few weeks, it's been a hundred yards on the ground, and their secondary is leaky. Very, very leaky. And I know Darius Slay, their best cornerback, was out this this past week. But there's a lot of question marks on this defense. And I know we'll talk about the Eagles. We're going to lead into the Eagles now. But I have a lot of questions about this team going into the postseason. Before we do that, let me, let me ask you this question. The Seahawks currently have a 53% chance to make the playoffs at this current moment. Their next three games are the Titans, the Steelers, and the Cardinals. Okay, let's say they're going to beat the Cardinals. Okay, let's just go ahead and do that. Right. Okay, so they beat the Cardinals. They now have a 77% chance. Okay. If they beat the Titans this next week, it goes up to and they also beat the Cardinals. It goes up to a 91% chance. And if they win out, they have a 100% chance of making the playoffs. My question to you boys is, are the Seahawks, are they going to the playoffs this year? Yes, I, I think so. All right, I just I, I wanted to ask that. I, I tend to agree. I think this is all three of those games are, are winnable for the Seahawks, and uh, even if they lose one of these games and there's an upset along the line, they still have a pretty decent chance. So I'm gonna I'm gonna also lean yes on this one. And now let's go to the Eagles here. So Eagles scored less than 20 points in all four of their losses, and you know this is the second loss in a row now for them. It is a tough look for them. Ah, uh, Jalen Hurts was supposedly sick, and that was some of the narrative. I don't know if I buy that. If you look at the stats from the last three games, he had a 59.2% completion rate, 638 yards, one passing touchdown, and two interceptions. So I've said this. I, I've said this all season. I have said that the, the Eagles offense has not looked nearly as, as explosive as it did last season. Is that coming to fruition? I mean, what do you guys think about that? Well, what I said when they played the Cowboys, um, you know, obviously losing that game, but the the offense was able to move the ball pretty well. Uh, they just had a bunch of key drops and a bunch of stupid turnovers that really ruined all of their momentum. And so, you know, I went into this week saying, okay, I think the offense is, is going to do all right. It's the defense they got to worry about. But nobody showed up. Nobody showed up at all. This offense looked totally dilapidated just just bad and maybe it's due to Jalen Hurts being sick but you know we haven't seen Jalen Hurts play super well all season like it's 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 been a pretty consistent thing that he's underperformed what we've seen him do in the past so you know it went from okay the offense can turn it around they got to worry about the defense to now if I'm an Eagles fan I'm worried about both sides of the ball but again the good news is is you got uh, as easy as the schedule gets over the next three games so a good opportunity to get right before the playoffs and maybe you still find yourself in the uh, conference championship. And part of the reason that Jalen Hurts has looked below average this season is due to the play calling, honestly. If you look at what Philly is doing on offense, it's an extremely predictable offense, and they're not getting the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands quick enough. Um, and I think that's largely by design because a lot of these throws are late concept routes that A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith are going after, and it takes time to develop. And Jalen Hurts is holding on to the ball too long. And the 49ers, uh, 
Nick Bosa, he had kind of alluded to this when they had beat the four, uh, the Eagles a few weeks ago, that they gave everybody the cheat code. You keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket. You keep him, keep him from escaping outside of the pocket. He's an average quarterback, and you're seeing that. Um, Nick Sirianni's play calling ability, lack of play calling ability is really showing um, this season. And I think the loss of Shane Sykin is looming large. Well, and that 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 has been the narrative I've written all season. You know, since week three, I think I it was early as week three when we really saw DeAndre Swift come out of his shell and and looked very explosive. And I said, I don't think this offense just looks the same. And I think that trend has continued throughout the entire season. And and you know, I had some Eagles fans that were a little upset at me for saying that. And and Matthew uh, Kahn, one of our writers, had kind of alluded to the same thing. He wrote an article and a lot of Eagles fans over on Twitter got very upset at him for it. He was right. He was 100% right. And and this this offense does not look as great. It's really interesting to me that, I mean, the Eagles have 100% chance of making the playoffs. So like, there's there's absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that they're going to go there. Are they Super Bowl contenders, gentlemen? That's my question. (laughs) <laughs> That's a tough question to answer at this point in time. I mean, you're looking at the NFC, um, you know, obviously the 49ers take the cake. The Cowboys um, have seemed very human, and the Lions have also seemed very human. So I think the second spot is really up for grabs. Um, at this point in time, it's really difficult to say definitively that the Eagles belong in that conversation right now. I think the Cowboys have played better than the Eagles, and the Lions at their best look like they're tough to beat as well. Um, but with that said, the conversation's still very open with three weeks remaining. Yeah, and it's really hard for me to write off Philly at this current point just because of where you, when I look at the NFC, you have the 49ers and then you have the others, right? You could say the Cowboys are better than the Eagles, and I would agree with you. Um, but then you look at what the Cowboys did this past week, they got blown out by Buffalo. So it's like, are they a legit team? And then you look at the lions who, who have the lions beaten? What are they doing on defense? There's a lot of question marks with these other top teams in the NFC. And it's hard for me to completely write off the Eagles because of that. Is it fair to say this? Any given Sunday is more applicable this season for every single team in the NFL than than of, of typical years past. It really feels that way, and not only because of the play, but largely because of the injuries. Um, you, we have so many key injuries across the league at this point in time that every you know the landscape of every team is so drastically changed that you know what the the NFL that we were looking at in the preseason and the NFL now are two completely different leagues. So I think that's a hundred percent accurate. I it certainly shows. I think, and and you know. Like we talked about, like you have these teams that are coming in and destroying teams that they shouldn't, and then you're having you know those really good elite teams putting up duds and, and losing to teams that they also shouldn't. So it, I, I don't know. I don't think the Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. It, I I've said this for a few weeks now, and I still firmly believe it. I think the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. I think they are the most complete team, and I think that – if they can stay healthy, they're playing the best ball all around on both sides of the ball. Do we think they are a top five team in the NFL right now? The Eagles? Yes. I don't think you can write them off. And I, I think that, you know, if, if we were to sit here and, you know, regardless of AFC or NFC, but if we were to just sit here and look at, at the top five NFL teams, I think it would be foolish not to include the Eagles in that conversation. You look at just their roster. Look at their roster. They have a great roster, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. like they, they have such explosive weapons. The problem, as you kind of alluded to earlier, is this offense just looks different, and they're, they're kind of going for the – they're going for hero ball a lot more often than maybe they should. Where's your quick slants? Where's your out routes? Where's, where is your drag routes with Dallas Goddard? Like, you don't have to go for a 20-yard bomb every single time down the field, and that's that's another component that I think that I agree with you I really do think that they're trying to do. And it's like, why? I understand that you have two incredible wide receivers and a great tight end. That doesn't mean you need to try and stretch the field every single play. And it's either they're doing that or on the flip side of it, they're handing the ball off to DeAndre Swift or whatever running back they're going with that week. And and it worked at the beginning of the year, but it really hasn't clicked like it did at the beginning of the year. So I, I think the Eagles are a top five team. I think you have to include them in that conversation, but I certainly wouldn't put them at one. 
you know, watching the Eagles offense blunder this season has really made me appreciate Kyle Shanahan even more. Because if you look at the Eagles offense, you could argue that their playmakers are even with the 49ers. You could say A.J. Brown is like a Debo. You could say Devontae Smith is like an IU. Christian McCaffrey is obviously better than the Eagles running backs. But then you look at Dallas Goddard and George Kittle. Eagles offensive line is probably better than the 49ers offense but when you look at what Kyle Shanahan does he draws out plays for these guys to have success whereas you look at the Eagles they have all these playmakers and now look at them they are struggling big time out there and they're they're a very predictable offense and Kyle Shanahan keeps things fresh in San Francisco and he gets he finds creative ways to get these guys going and not calling the same plays over and over again even if they don't work it's funny. I, I, if we were to go back a year ago, right at about this time, I might have said those exact words because, and I, I distinctly remember that it was this play that he set Kyle Uzcheck in motion, and it was just a beautifully drawn up play. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, this is genius. Like, you are, you know your personnel, and this is when we look at a coach, like from a coaching perspective. We talked about this earlier in the season, but we said how many coaches are actually coaching with the talent they have versus trying to make players into players that they're not. I don't know if that made, that came out right, but like where the player has a certain skill set and Kyle Shanahan is utilizing their skill sets versus trying to force them into a box and say, Hey, this is what we're going to have you do, even though that's not their skill set. I think that's one thing that, that really differentiates Kyle Shanahan from a lot of other coaches. You can acquire talent, but how do you effectively use them? And, and week in and week out, we see Kyle Shanahan scheming up different plays effectively to get all of his his weapons involved, and, and it works, and it has worked, and it is going to continue to work, and that that is that is one of the main reasons, aside from all the talent they have on both sides of the ball, that I really do believe that they are going to be Super Bowl champions this year. Well, just to bring over conversation from Monday's episode that Yeti wasn't involved in, um, what do you think about Kyle Shanahan in the conversation for coach of the year? I, st- I still give it to D'Amico Ryan. I would. And and not to discredit Kyle Shanahan because, you know, I just sat there and gassed him up for the last five minutes. But D'Amico Ryan, I didn't expect anything from him. You know, I, I didn't. And when we were in the preseason or in the offseason and we were talking about this upcoming season – we weren't talking about the Texans. We weren't talking about C.J. Stroud and what he has done for, for that team. And we weren't talking about wh- how good and how competitive the Texans were going to be. Yeah, I get it. C.J. Stroud has been a, a great quarterback. But also, let's look at the the coach and what he has done for that organization. I just think that he is very deserving of that Coach of the Year award for everything he, he has done that nobody expected. I would say... D'Amico Ryans is very high up there. If it's not D'Amico Ryans, I would look at Shane Steichen for what he is doing with the Colts because everybody thought this team would be kind of at the bottom of the AFC South. They wouldn't be contending, but here they are in week 15 with a real shot to go to the playoffs, and they have stayed afloat even though Anthony Richardson's been out for a majority of the season with the backup and Gardner Minshew, who I love to death. We all love to mm. death, but my God, like the job that, Steichen is doing with Minshew is is pretty impressive. So I like D'Amico Ryans. I like Shane Steichen. I think Kyle Shanahan, he has a case. Obviously, he always has a case. But when you compare the other two situations, I have to lean towards one of those guys. Yeah, here's here's the argument that I would make. And I, I think ultimately I agree with you guys. I think one of those two guys should win it. But the case for Shanahan is I know it's the coach of the year award, but how many times are we going to put somebody in the conversation without giving them the award, right? It, this 49ers team, regardless of who's playing quarterback, right, they're acquiring weapons and they're constantly at the top of the league. They're constantly competing at the highest level. And at some point you got to say, this guy knows what he's doing and he may be one of the best in the league at doing it. Yeah, I, I mean, he is. I like, But also, you know, the other side of the coin is, well, look at all the talent he has. You know, and I'm not saying that's a differentiator, but that's that's the argument that a lot of people are carrying is, 
well, the only reason he's getting it done is because he has CMC, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and then a rookie quarter or a second year quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant. And that's a whole conversation in and of itself because Brock Purdy's playing out of his mind is, and I think he's the front runner or a front runner for the MVP candidate this season. So I think that probably is to his detriment is he has so much talent on his team and that's just the offensive side of the ball. Like the defense is also stacked. And so I think that's to his detriment and, and, perhaps why he is not going to be looked at under a microscope like somebody like Shane Steichen or D'Amico Ryan. So at I, least from – go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say I think he'll take the he'll take the Super Bowl over the coach of the year anyway. Oh, so I, I'm yeah. sure he's oh for sure. I think yeah. he will. Okay, so we're talking about the 49ers. Let me ask you guys this. Who is the – do we think the 49ers are Super Bowl bound? Like that is where they're at. You're nodding your head yes, yeah. Scotty. It just Yeti? feels too obvious. It like I, <laughs> I'm waiting for the twist. Yes. But like there's gotta be something in the script where the 49ers aren't gonna make the Super Bowl be, Super Bowl because it is so obvious. Brock Purdy's other elbow. Right. Yeah, it's his <laughs> knee this time. Uh okay, well you're saying it's obvious and there should be something. So very clearly you do also think that the 49ers yes. are a Super Bowl contending team. I'm who's the biggest scared. threat? Who's the biggest threat to them? Who is the biggest threat to them in the NFC? In the NFC, honestly, I you might you can make an argument for a lot of teams, but really, I think the Eagles are still the scariest team. I mean, when you're game planning for the Eagles, a team that has a ton of playoff experience, recent playoff experience, uh, they you know their their roster didn't change uh, all that much in terms of their key players. You know these. The Eagles are still a team that I'm afraid to play every week. And, you know, you could say that about the Lions and the Cowboys, too. I, I think if I were to rank them, I would put the Eagles, then the Cowboys, although that's really close, and it seems like it depends on which DAC you get, uh, and then the Lions after that. But any one of those teams are very scary at this point in time. I I hate myself for saying this, <laughs> but I, I think the Cowboys are the team that I'm the most afraid of if I'm a 49ers fan, just because of the offensive fire power that they have. And I know we never know what Dak is going to show up, but here we go, baby. Uh, the past two seasons, the Cowboys and the 49ers have matched up in the playoffs and those games have been super close and Dak has showed up or not showed up in those games, but they have been close competitive games. So, you know, if I'm going between the Cowboys and the Eagles, I, it's got to be the team that has an explosive offense at this current point because that's how you're going to beat the 49ers is by just blowing up on offense. I was hurt in my face. I was, I almost threw up a little bit. I look, I don't like the Cowboys. We've been over that, but you can't argue with how competitive they are. I still think it's the Eagles as well. I think the Cowboys are frauds. I also think that the Eagles, while have fraudulent, I think they're less fraudulent. I'm, I don't want to say they're not frauds because I think that very clearly they have shown that they have some weaknesses, especially in this Monday night game. So, uh, okay, let's let's move on. Super Bowl preview. Christmas night, baby. This is the night where we are not recording. We are going to have our popcorn and a nice glass of whiskey. Ravens 49ers. I'm excited for this game. This is this is the game that I have I circled it a few weeks ago, and uh, and it is here. It is finally here. This is the Super Bowl light game, is what I'm calling it, and I'm very excited for it. So I got to ask you guys: We're not going to be doing a show on Monday. Who's going to win that game? It's in San Francisco. Give me San Fran, baby. I, Scotty, I think the home yeah. home crowd does it. No, not <laughs> just the home crowd, but uh, yeah, it, you got to go with the 49ers. You. Yeah, at this point, the 49ers are the team to beat against anyone that they're matching up with, including the other top-tier teams in the league. So I agree with you. I think the 49ers are going to be favored in that game. Um, you know, we're, we're going to find out a lot about the Ravens this week, you know, getting this close we to are. the playoffs and seeing exactly what kind of form that they're in and what they're capable of, you know, see what Lamar Jackson can do. Um, but I do think the 49ers, you know, are going to be favored, and rightly so. Yeah, I the 49ers are actually five-point favorites wow. in this game, according to wow. I might have to That's take the Ravens big. now. <laughs> That's pretty big. I'm not going to take the Ravens. I'm still going to take the 49ers. And uh, Samuel Ibarra, hope I said that right, he also says the same thing. I, he's a, one of our followers over on YouTube and commented and said, Niners all day, baby. And um, couldn't agree with you more. And it sounds like we're all kind of unanimously. So I want to, since we're all in agreement here that the 49ers are going to win, how do you think the Ravens can beat the 49ers if they were to pull off the upset? Lamar I, Jackson has to take his pants off. 
I, oh, I think it's got to be offensive firepower. Um, it, you have to see MVP Lamar Jackson show up, you know, getting, you know, 70 to 100 yards rushing in addition to throwing for a couple touchdowns. You, you have to see the Ravens dice up this tough 49ers defense because we know the 49ers are going to score. Obviously, the Ravens have a good defense, but the 49ers are, are the best offense in football, and they have so many weapons and so many options that they are going to score. So the Ravens just have to keep up. And Lamar Jackson's perfectly capable of doing that. Obviously, uh, you know, this is the first year in a long time that he has some real receiving weapons to take advantage of, and we've seen that throughout the season so this is a different Lamar Jackson that we're watching now and uh that's going to be the way to do it he's going to have to throw and run very very efficiently I I think for me it's the passing game that's really where I think he he is going to have to hone in we know Lamar Jackson can run and I kind of talked about this on last episode when we were talking about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens I wasn't impressed with him this last week, and I I get that he's a he's a freak athlete, and that is impressive in and of itself. But the passing the passing game for the Ravens is something that I think I go back and forth on. I have gone back and forth on since Lamar Jackson has entered the league, and I've I've watched him be able to run the ball incredibly well. But one of his biggest faults is being able to throw the ball. He in this last game that the Ravens played against, he looked very panicked in the pocket, and there were multiple times where I, I would watch him decide that he was going to tuck the ball and kind of take a couple steps forward in the pocket and then the pocket would shift and then he would decide to take a step back and actually throw the ball and then he realized the pocket was collapsing and he'd break out and he'd run for five or six yards that's all fine and well but the 49ers defense is not a joke the 49ers defense is the best defense in the league especially when it comes to the run game and and the rushing stopping the rush that that they do so well so if you want to beat the 49ers I think it's through the air and that's still a very difficult thing to do and I just haven't seen Lamar Jackson be able to throw the ball as efficiently and as effectively as I would like so I, I think that's that's where the biggest flaw for the Ravens is is they have to keep this game close so they can continue to be efficient in the run game and I just don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, and the, and the other kind of uh, sneakier key that's going to have to come into play is we're going to have to see Justice Hill be efficient in space uh, because Keaton Mitchell had become such a massive part of this offensive game plan because, you know, defenses are keying on Lamar Jackson, obviously spying Lamar Jackson, and if you're able to bring in some RPOs and you're able to mix things up in the backfield, you know, to make defenses respect that, and they had to respect Keaton Mitchell, um, you know, that changes everything. And so Justice Hill is going to be thrown into that position now, and he has to have a good game and be efficient and be effective uh, enough that they can get to the goal line and let Gus Edwards take all the glory. Yeah. And I, I know this is easier said than done, but if you look at the games that the 49ers have lost, Christian McCaffrey has been shut down in each of those games. He was held to under 60 rushing yards in each game. Um, the Ravens defense has been good against the run. Obviously, I can't say great because we saw Kyron Williams run all over them a few weeks ago. So they really have to show up on defense. They have to stop Christian McCaffrey and, you know, try to minimize the damage with Brock Purdy and his wide receivers. On offense, I think slaps you you honed in on the passing game. I really think they need to get the running game established early and often to keep the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands. And they really have to make this ugly um, is, is a big way to win this game. Like me. No, you're beautiful. Shut up. Oh, thank you. But they have to hold on to the ball. They have to have six to seven minute drives, long sustained drives, and get points. Or else this is going to be a very long day for Lamar Jackson. It is. Let's go ahead and pivot over to the flex appeal. So for all of you who have not joined the Leather Brains, welcome aboard. You are now officially a Brainiac. We're playing some flex appeal. So we have chosen two players to flex against each other for fantasy football and see which one you should put in your lineup. So... Yeti, take it away. All right. My first flex appeal for week 15, we got Rasheed Rice versus the Raiders or Chris Olave versus the Rams. I really want to go, but it kind of hurts my throat, and I'm not nearly as good at it as Chris Berman. Um, ah. I am going to take – this one's kind of – this one's good. I mean, it, look, Rashi Rice over the last – what? five weeks, four weeks, has just come onto the scene, right? He is, I think he's really solidifying himself as Patrick Mahomes wide receiver one, which needs to happen. I mean, the, the Chiefs have struggled to, to make catches and uh, move the ball down the field effectively and get the ball in the wide receiver's hands. And he's kind of, he's solidified himself in that wide receiver one role, I think, for the Chiefs. 
The problem is, is the Rams defense is so leaky at throwing the ball. And so for that reason, I think I am going to take Chris Olave against the Rams. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to take Rashi Rice. And the reason is, is over the last four weeks, like you said, he's come onto the scene. He's averaging for the last month, eight receptions and over 80 yards per game. Um, he is flirting with wide receiver one territory from a fantasy perspective over the last month, which, uh, to me is difficult to ignore as you're getting into these important playoff games. And the other thing to consider is while the Rams, you know, haven't had the best defensive showing, they are pretty good against perimeter wide receivers. They've allowed the 14th lowest points per target and passer rating to perimeter wide receivers. Uh, and on top of that, Olave's coming off an ankle injury. So I think Rashi Rice is the easy one for me. Split the difference, Yeti. Split the difference Man. So the reason why I asked this question is because I'm playing with this this uh, flex appeal for my the old <laughs> adage here. You're looking for so I have Rishi in my taxi squad, obviously. Um, well, I guess not. Obviously, not everybody knows that, but I have Rishi in my taxi <laughs> squad, and then I have Olavi on my starting roster right now. So I I've been very torn with this all week. I don't really need Rishi Rice. I could leave him on my taxi squad, but I think his upside is immense this week versus the Raiders um, and I know this isn't the same Raiders defense that we've been used to seeing over the past few years they're actually pretty decent against uh, offenses and um, it's just can I a, give you some information that might sell you a yes little bit. go for it Tiger so the Rams defense is actually the third worst against the fantasy wide receivers over the last four weeks. They put up 42.68 points on average. They rank 30th in the NFL at the wide receiver position. I just don't trust Derek Carr. That's I know. My only issue. I know, but somebody's got to catch the ball for the Saints. And if there's any week to do it, it's against one of the worst uh, receiving or pass defenses in the NFL right now. So Not against perimeter receivers, though. You're not talking about I, a slot guy. You got to catch one you, ball. When you look at Rasheed Rice, too, the last time they played the Raiders, he had almost 25 PPR points. So it's hard for me to ignore a guy that's averaged nine and a half targets the past four weeks. Can you start both of them? Can you play I both? Could. I could. Yeah. But for the sake of the question, I think I, I'm leaning Rasheed Rice. That's okay. the correct answer. Well, when uh, when Rashi Rice uh, drops a ball for a touchdown, you lose because of it, because Listen. all the Chiefs wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need to throw shade, though. Did you restart your computer? Okay. Yeah. I present to you Najee Harris, or I put Mondre Stevenson in here because Ramondre it was way too long to type out. So uh, those are the two that I presented to start this one out. They're both kind of gross. Uh, they're, they're not sexy. They're not great. But running backs right now are, are not a dime a dozen. They're very hard to get any that can produce. And both these guys are kind of questionable producers, so I, I bring them to the table. It's Najee Harris is playing against the Bengals or Ramondre Stevenson playing against the Broncos. So I want to put an asterisk on this because Rashad, or Ramondre Stevenson, he did not practice today. Um, he hasn't practiced all week, so we don't really know the status of him right now. If he is playing, I would love to play Stevenson this week versus Denver. Um, just because Najee, he's been very ineff uh, ineffective. We know that about Najee Harris. He's not very efficient with his carries, and he's splitting a lot of work with Jalen Warren right now against Cincinnati's defense, who's actually pretty decent against uh, running backs. So I think I would leave, uh, I would go with Ramondre if he's active. Obviously, if he's not, you're kind of fucked. Do you guys know how scary Ramondre Stevenson just looks without a helmet on? <laughs> Like and not like scary like ripped up. I'm just gonna show you guys. It's kind of it's a little scary here. Look at this. Throw it on the Look. screen, bro. He's <laughs> he looks kind of scary. <laughs> he looks happy. He does look happy, but he also kind of looks scary. Hmm. And then I just like wanted six head. <laughs> yeah, oh, you, that might you be what happened. To close your Pornhub window, bro. Oh my bad. Um, <laughs> so you're gonna take Ramondre Stevenson if he plays. Scotty, you doing the same? I don't know, man. Um, I, I mean, if he if he's 100% healthy, then yeah, I agree. But I think the odds of him being, even if he's active, the odds of him being 100% healthy are basically zero. I actually think we might have seen the last of Ramondre for the season. Given where the Patriots are at, he's still got another year with this team before he becomes a free agent. I think it's possible they shelf him for the rest of the season. Um, so if that's, I mean, I think I just have to choose Najee by default. Um, 
if Ramondre miraculously comes back and addresses the media and says, I have, you know, I'm a hundred percent, there's no problems. I'm better than I've ever been. Then yeah, I'll start him. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You're going to take his word. Yeah. Back to you, Yeti. All right. My second flex appeal. I got Ty Chandler versus Detroit or Romeo Dubs versus Carolina. Bring in the heat. This one's actually pretty easy for me, to be honest with you. It's mm. it's going to be Ty Chandler. And um, Romeo Dubs was the wide receiver, too, for the, the Packers last year. And honestly, I don't know if he still holds that title. He really has been largely ineffective and inefficient this year for the majority of the season. And I think we're starting to see a new wide receiver two emerge for the Packers. I know Christian Watson has struggled with injury a lot this season, which has kind of let Romeo Dubs, like all of these young wide receivers stay on the field in different roles pretty consistently. I think Jaden Reed is probably the new wide receiver too for the, excuse me, for the Packers. He's seeing a great target share. He's there. You're finding out or you're seeing that the Packers are scheming to get Jaden Reed involved in a lot of different ways, whether it be uh, through the run game, they've used him a couple times on sweeps and, uh, and they, they really are showing that they want him to be a part of this offense. You're not seeing that as much with Romeo dubs and, uh, and Ty Chandler. I mean, he is slated to probably start this week and he had 23 touches last week. I get it. The lions defense and Aiden Hutchinson are, uh, they're beasts and they are very good against the run, but I think you have a, a much better opportunity to get points on the board with Ty Chandler than Romeo dubs. Yeah, I think my answer on this is entirely dependent on what you're looking for. If you're projected to win, I think I'm taking Ty Chandler. I think he's got the safer floor. You know, the Lions are the best defense against uh, fantasy running backs in the league right now, but the volume that Chandler's going to get this week is going to be too good to pass up if you're just looking for a safe floor. I, You know, I think he's in line for between 10 to 15 points, pretty much guaranteed. Um, however, Romeo Dobbs... Uh, he obviously has been pretty ineffective this season. Over the last three games, he's had fewer than five targets. But since Christian Watson has been injured, he's been on the field for 90% of the offensive snaps. So if you're looking for upside, Dobbs has got the upside. Okay, I'm splitting here again. Is that right? I'm taking Ty Chandler. Yep, okay. So I'm splitting, and I'm going with Ty Chandler just for the simplicity fact that he's getting – all the volume out of the backfield. And I know slaps you alluded to who the true wide receiver two is for green Bay um, without Christian Watson, it's uh, Jaden Reed. But I would argue that Dontavian wicks, the rookie out of Virginia, guy. Yeah. I think he might be sneaking up on that wide receiver three role now um, over Romeo dubs, just with the, his emergence last week against Tampa Bay. So I I'm leaning with Chandler just for the safety, because I think dubs is slowly fading away in that offense yeah yeah i mean he had he had the role and i think uh, unfortunately for him dontavian wicks is is a great example he's another rookie wide receiver for anybody that does not know dontavian wicks wide receiver for the packers rookie he went six for seven last week for 97 yards he was on the field 78 percent of the time so i i agree with you i think romeo dubs if he doesn't get it figured out he's gonna lose this spot and and i think that he already has lost that wide receiver two spot so um yeah i'll, I'll take ty chandler and now I present to you Jackson Smith and the Jigba versus the Titans or Devin Singletary versus the Browns. You remember how, and I want to go back to this for just a moment. Remember how you said you were trying to figure out which two players to start for your team? I just want to highlight that I'm doing the same thing here. So <laughs> go ahead. Well, thankfully, this one's a little easier for me. And it's the same exact situation as my flex appeal option where you're looking at a guy in Devin Singletary who... We couldn't figure out, I guess, you know, the past couple of weeks what the fuck was going on with him and Damian Pierce. But if you've watched the Texans games, you'll figure out that Singletary is just far more effective in that offense than Pierce. Um, combine that with the fact that Shroud is out this week, they are going to have to lean on the run this week. And I know they are playing Cleveland, but if they want a chance to win, that offensive line is going to have to continue to show up and they're going to have to run the ball. 20 times at least and that is a good news for Singletary he's catching balls out of the backfield as well whereas with JSN he's kind of he's a third option unfortunately in that offense right now just with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf his time is coming but unfortunately it's not this week so give me Singletary versus Cleveland 
Um, yeah, I mean, my answer is kind of the same as the last one that I gave. If, if you're looking for upside, I think JSN's got upside just because the Titans give up the seventh most points to opposing wide receivers of anybody in the league. So if you're looking for a home run play, you need, you know, your receiver to go off for 20 points to have a chance. I think JSN could do that. Not likely, but he could. Uh, whereas Singletary is going to give you that safe floor. The entire offense is going to revolve around him, and whether or not they're going to be able to move the ball against Cleveland is a different story, but the volume's going to be there. So if you're looking for safety, I think Singletary's the easy choice. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I you guys took all the words out of my mouth. I think Singletary is the one to play here. I, JSN is, it's just a crapshoot. Is Geno Smith going to be back this week? I've heard that he is, but um, he JSN, there's still just a wide receiver competition and I'd rather take the security of Devin Singletary. So, Yeti, back to you. My last flex appeal for week 15. We're not going to get got... to play this game a whole lot more. Like when I know, really man. About we got to soak it up for two more weeks. I know. Yeah, that's Sorry. depressing. It is very depressing. Oh. All right. Well. All right. So D Hop. D. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? D Hop versus Seattle, or yeah. Chris Godwin versus Jacksonville. <laughs> this is gross, Yeti. I oh. hope that you're not in that same situation again, where you're trying to figure out who to start. No. Okay. Okay. I'm just um, trying to help out our fellow brainiacs. Man, here's here's what I'm looking at, right? And and I'm just going to explain this for anybody that is watching and or listening. D-Hop, I, I want to say Chris Godwin, I do. But when I look at what's the trending that's happened over the last couple weeks, D-Hop has seen in week 13, 12 targets, 12 targets, and nine targets. D-Hop is the only wide receiver that's really involved in this Titans offense. And while I like that, I also have some concerns because the target the target volume is high but the quality of the target is actually really really low he's had five catches seven catches and two catches so i I would expect that to be a lot higher if you're gonna you know spit fire the or uh hit him with a lot of volume it's it's gonna be high right he's gonna have a lot of yards he's gonna have a lot of catches we're not seeing that out of d hop so I think the quality of the targets is a lot lower, and that makes me actually a little bit more excited for Chris Godwin. I don't think Baker Mayfield is incredible. I don't think Baker Mayfield is insane, but you can't argue with what he is doing this entire season, really, with the Buccaneers. And uh, and against Jacksonville, you know, this is this is going to be a, a close game, I think, and, and the Bucs are going to have to play a complete game. And I think that means that they're going to have to get both their pass catchers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin involved, so I'll take Godwin for the upside. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, you know, D hop always has upside, you know, he's one of the best wide receivers over the course of his career. He's obviously the favorite target in this offense. Um, but Chris Godwin, he's been disappointing this season, but over the last couple of weeks, he's sort of returning to the mean of what he's done throughout his career. Uh, Just the last couple of weeks, he's got 15 receptions for 208 yards, uh, which is pretty close to what he's done over the course of the entire time he's been in the league. So, and you combine that with, you know, Baker Mayfield coming off this big game, uh, this offense looks like they're hitting a stride a little bit. I do think Godwin is the safer option here over DeAndre Hopkins yep if you want safety you're going with Godwin but if you want a guy who could get you 20 points pretty easily I think that's D hop not easily but he's a guy that could easily catch two he'll balls make a nasty 80 yards and yeah. a touchdown yeah and boom but and that's that's the question at hand and you know you you want to pit both these defenses against each other they're both neck and neck as far as allowing points to the wide receiver position so you you can't even use that as a fair metric because these teams are legitimately two teams at 35 points and 36 points respectively so it's it's very difficult to even sit there and say well this one's got a better matchup because the matchup is so similar so i'm going to take chris godwin i i have a little bit more faith in uh, in baker mayfield which is not something i thought i would say than uh, someone like will levis at this point so I bring my last flex appeal for the week. This one is uh, Zay Flowers, the Ravens rookie wide receiver against a very difficult 49ers defense, or Jaden Reed versus Carolina. Oh, I'm so torn on this one because I, I think I think Zay Flowers has to have a big game for Lamar Jackson to have a chance to win this game. But if you look at the stats, you compare Zay Flowers to Jaden Reed, 
it's not even close who I'm going with. It's Jaden Reed. Um, and I say that because Jaden Reed is the wide receiver one for the Packers without Christian Watson. If you look at his stats without Christian Watson on the field, Jaden Reed is a completely different wide receiver. He's top 20 if you take out the games without Christian Watson. Or if you take if you just include the games with, without Christian Watson, they are drawing up plays for him in to get him the ball in space, whether it be end arounds or screens or quick slants, whatever. He is the focal point of this offense. So I'm going with Jaden Reed. I don't know, man. This is a really Scotty, tough one. Scotty wants Zay Flowers because it's a hard matchup. It, well, it is a tough matchup. You're, you got shootout potential there, and like Yeti said, Zay Flowers has to have a big game for them to be competitive. So I think if this game is close and competitive, like we all hope it is, Zay Flowers is going to be a big part of that. The other option, or the other thing here, is with Jordan Love playing. He hasn't been playing great over the last couple of weeks. You know, we've seen flashes this season, but it's been pretty disappointing recently. And Aaron Jones is now back and healthy. I think against Carolina, we're going to see an Aaron Jones game. I think the entire offense is going to be centered around Aaron Jones. I think the passing volume is not going to be there this week. And I think the passing volume is going to be there with Zay Flowers. Um, so I think I think I'm leaning Flowers. Hmm. I really want to take Jaden Reed. I think I'm also going to take Jaden Reed. Uh, I understand the argument, and, and I do hope that the 49ers-Ravens game is close because I want to see a competitive good game out of that. But I, I can't argue with Jaden Reed and what he has done, and if Christian Watson doesn't play. And I, I do think that Aaron Jones is going to be involved, especially against a Carolina team. And so he, the issue that you're, you're running into is uh, Zay Flowers has a higher ceiling, and the reason being is because the Ravens could get down early and then they're going to have to pass the ball to try and stay competitive. The question then becomes, can they pass the ball effectively and get Zay Flowers involved? On the flip side of it, the Packers realistically should beat the piss out of the Panthers and end up running the ball a lot more to just try and chew the clock and get get the game over with. So maybe they aren't as pass heavy. So there's two different sides of that coin as far as that's how I view it. I think I'm still going to take Jaden Reed just because I do think that he is the wide receiver one without Christian Watson. So, All right, we have a couple questions here. We have brain busters, so if anybody has any other questions, go over to YouTube or submit them if you're on Instagram, wherever you're at. Send the questions in, and we'll get them. Let's do it. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail! All right. First question comes from Katie Benden. Should I start hmm. Jordan Addison or DeAndre Hopkins this week? Oh, Katie. Um, thank you for your question. We greatly appreciate it. And thanks for coming at us with a difficult question. Um, so Jordan Addison and the Vikings, they play the Detroit. That yeah. is a yummy matchup <laughs> for Jordan Addison. That is delicious. Um, yeah, give me Addison just based off the matchup. I don't want to get too into the, the weeds of it. Um, but DeAndre Hopkins, he's very hit or miss that you can look at his targets, but they're not great targets. Yeah. Just yeah, give me Jordan but, Addison. Yeah. I, I probably would also take Jordan Addison on that one. So Agreed. thank you for the question. Um, okay. Boofy over on YouTube says, should I start Joe Flacco over Kyler Murray? Great question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, the Okay. Would you guys, did you guys have this on your bingo card to start the season? Is uh, Joe Flacco? <laughs> Just or like Kyle we all Murray? predicted. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I, I would, I think I would start Joe Flacco over Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has not looked great this year. And that's coming from somebody wearing an Arizona Cardinal shirt. Um, he, he looks kind of, this offense doesn't look great to be honest with you. And, um, we really haven't seen Hollywood Brown involved. I know he's kind of struggled with some injury, but it, and then Trey McBride has been hyper-targeted and also has struggled with some injury this, this year. So, or this last week rather. So I don't know if it, what the status currently is of those guys. I think they were both carrying questionable tags to enter today. I think that also plays a part in this and, and the bears defense has kind of turned over a new leaf in some aspects and has looked like they're playing some half decent football and the Cardinals are bad. We're really bad. And we don't have a lot of pass catchers. We don't have a lot of weapons. And also Kyler Murray just looks a little off sync here. So the Browns are still playing for something. And I think that that also means something. The Cardinals, we are not. And I'm happy about that. But 
I think the Browns are. I think Joe Flacco is probably a better play for me at this point, and I would I would take Joe Flacco over Kyler Murray. Yeah, if there's anything crazy we, to say, if there's anything we learned about Joe Flacco since he's uh, made his reappearance is that he is willing to throw the ball no matter how many times he throws interceptions, and uh, that's know. what you want. He's you know he threw three three picks last week or whatever, and still threw for almost 400 yards. So if he's willing to do that, then uh, I'm going to plug him in on the off chance that he doesn't throw any interceptions and increases that touchdown total a little bit. He threw you know, three interceptions and still almost finished with 20 yep. fantasy points. That's exactly what I was going to say. We have a, a 38-year-old that just came off the couch and is throwing the ball 44 <laughs> times on average the past three games. Yeah, uh, just so everyone destroyed. knows, he was on the injury report this week um, with he a was. calf injury, but you know, mm. it seems pretty optimistic that he's going to be good to go. Something cool. To keep all right, so we're all doing Joe Flacco over Kyler Murray. Not, yep. not doing it. It's like we all. Starting. Yeah, I want to want to want to clarify that uh yeah uh that's it that's all the time we got gentlemen i uh i just want to reiterate to everybody or remind everybody like i did at the beginning of the show we will not be having a show on monday we are going to be spending time with our families and and friends and uh we will not be around so we will be sitting on the couch watching the 49ers ravens like hopefully all of you will but we will be back next wednesday and if this is your first time here, hey, welcome aboard. You are now officially a Brainiac. We do appreciate your support. Last thing, last request. If you could give Slapdog one little Christmas gift, it would be this. Go hit the subscribe button wherever, on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you guys are, are listening or are consuming this content at. It really does mean the world to such a small podcast such as ourselves. And while we are growing, the support is uh, is very appreciated. So, if you're looking to get me a Christmas gift, guys, that would be what I would prefer. With that, wait, we're going to get out of here. Wait. Oh, Scotty, you got something? I think our Brainiacs deserve to know what our plans are for the playoffs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, so if we usually do two shows a week. Um, for everybody that watches us live, of course, you know that that is Monday and Wednesday, and then the podcast is released on Tuesday and Thursday. We will be switching the format as soon as the playoffs begin and we will just be doing Mondays so uh, typically on Monday show we have Scotty Allen and Yeti on there that will actually be uh, or excuse me we have myself Scotty and Allen on Monday show and then today we have us three on, on our Wednesday show we're going to be bringing them together so it's going to be a full house there's going to be all four of us Yeti Scotty Allen and myself we're going to be talking about football uh, or the NFL <laughs> of course we're going to be talking about football we're going to talk about the playoffs and, and unpacking that as well as maybe some fantasy content as well. So just wanted to let everybody know that we will be going to just Mondays when it comes to the playoffs. And then when the offseason kicks off, we'll see what happens. We still got to figure that out ourselves and, uh, and kind of re regain plan for that and figure out what we're going to do in the offseason to bring you guys content. So. That's it. That's all the time we got. Is there anything else? Am I missing anything else, gentlemen? Uh, one last thing is just uh, while we're off for Christmas and switching down to one episode a week, you can always find us on the social media apps. If you do have questions about your lineups and the fantasy playoffs, whatever it might be, uh, or even you just want to reach out and say hi, you can always contact us there if we're not live currently at that moment. So follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, because uh, we'll, we are there to be reached at all times. We are, and if you, like Scotty said, if you guys want to pay us compliments, I'm always fishing. So you want to call me handsome, you want to say I'm really smart, whatever you guys want to say that's that's nice, I'm here for it. But if you're going to you give like me things beard, to say. let him know. Yeah, I'm kind of growing it out a it's little working bit. working hard it's on burly. it. It's getting a little burly. Well, yeah. We're getting there. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.